Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for episode number 19 of 24, season 1, day 1, hour 19, time 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., almost at sundown. Uh, and as we teased last week, we're getting into some stuff that's moving the story forward for the first time in who knows how long. Uh, it's it's been a while since we've had something relevant to talk about, so this will be exciting. My name is Colin, and you notice there's always a body count wherever you go. And my name is Ben, and this is not about rape. <laughs> Look, it's not about rape. It's not about being black. Just can't catch a break with the Palmer drama, can they? I know. Like you just get excited. You're like, yes, it's about being black. Yes, it's about rape. And you're like, oh, <laughs> damn it. Let down. That's why Jack Bauer says damn it all the time. You know, uh, so this episode, let's be honest, we've been mocking Palmer drama all year, uh, but that's what saves this episode because other than that, wow, we just have a bunch of storylines coming to a conclusion or moving in a new direction, uh, which I, I wasn't even that mad at some of the things that we see here for the alternate stories, but... We were praising like Sherry's moment last week. Uh, mm. What about this week? Like this is Sherry's oh. episode. Like forget She's that. She's getting it's better every week. Trust me. There's more to come from Sherry. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is like this woman. Wow. I mean, all, all the Palmers, with the exception of Nicole, you know, I don't know, choking on her chicken, <laughs> really shine in this episode. Uh, I'm excited by Palmer drama. This is this is turning around. See. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's the highlight of the episode. Uh, I, I mentioned last week that there's a moment in here which, you know, nominee for top five, but yeah, it won't make it because we've just got too many strong things that I think will easily make it. But um, I, like, outside of the Kim and Terry stuff, like, I'm, I'm actually even really enthralled by the Jack stuff, like, weirdly enough, like, because mm-hmm. it's, it's nothing. But, again, this goes back to my point last week where I'm back in that zone of 14, 15-year-old Ben hanging on to every single moment of this show and it's just like, it's completely got me hooked and I want to know what's happening. I, I've already watched next week's episode. And again, like just everything, even the little subtle moments, which you, we should be probably bagging out as boring. Like I just, they've got me hooked. They've got me so mm-hmm. fucking hooked. So much so that as bad as the Terry and Kim stuff is, I can kind of ignore it because I'm so hooked with the Palmer stuff and I'm so hooked with the Jack stuff because I think the Jack stuff, while it's somewhat boring, it's so intriguing because it's like a mystery. You're like, oh, what's yeah. going on? Why are they in this field? Um, so that to me is where it's exciting. And I, yeah, I can just black out Terry and Kim because I mean, all we're getting now is Terry remembers shit and Kim gets into <laughs> trouble again. I think also with the Jack stuff, like you're right of all four storylines, this is the one that the least happens in. But one thing that we have to forgive the show for, even for these more boring episodes, which I agree with you, it's done well is that nothing like this had ever been done, at least on American TV before. So Mm. to have any type of cliffhanger progression, you'd never seen that. So you could sit through 49 minutes of, uh, well, I guess without commercials, let's just say uh, 35 minutes of Jack and Mason just kind of bromancing. And then you get a few moments of walking through a field and, you know, uh, tracking a GPS and you're like, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm willing to sit through another 35 minutes of this next week. As long as I get a good cliffhanger like this. And even watching this again, I obviously know why they're in the field and what they're going to find next week, but um, it's still intriguing. Like it's still kind of, you're watching this. Like why are they in this field? Why do they want the power out? This makes no sense. And actually in the official guide, um, they've sort of got a chat with Xander Berkeley, how like he was very excited for this episode because it's the first time he gets to go out of the office and it's just kind of like him and Jack hanging out. And I think it's also like 
the way they play it out, like you just you're so meant to believe he's evil. That Mason's mm-hmm. evil. Um, and you know, just the way it's sort of there. And just Kiva Sutherland's got this way about him that when he's kind of like pressured and he's looking over things and stuff like that, um, that just like it's so basic, but you just believe everything and you think he's in he's tense and just I don't know. Just the way he acts in this episode is so good and it's just subtly good. But um, yeah, I, I'm on the edge of my seat, even though I've probably seen this episode like. 10 times in my lifetime. Let's talk about what we're not on the edge of our seat for. So let's start with Kim. <laughs> uh, I will say it, there were a few moments in Kim's story this week where I almost felt tense and like, okay, that's done well. I want to at least give it credit that it's done well. If it were part of another show, yeah. if this were Kim Bowers 24 and it had no connection. One Tree Hill. <laughs> if this were One Tree Hill, yeah. Uh, I'd be more accepting of it. Uh, there's still a lot of things that are done wrong, even if you do remove this from the rest of the season. It just it hurts with both Terry and Kim that the first half of the season, as annoying as some of their stories got, it was always connected to the main plot line. It was connected to the terrorists. And now it's just their own side stories, which if they had done something like that in the first half of the season and then the second half, their side stories were tied in more. I think mm. it would be easier to accept. But uh, uh couple of shout outs I want to give this week. Uh, one to our drug dealer slash cop. I think that he shines. I like, I like him. him. <laughs> uh, and, and I do think the reveal is done well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Dan's brother. There's something about this guy that I know he's supposed to rub you the wrong way, but the, the writers don't know what to do with him. Like, cause basically he's storming around there. You know, where's Dan, where's the money and stuff like that. And then, when it's finally dropped, which, by the way, great job, Kim. I'm starting to see why she gets into trouble every single season. Because she has run away from protection, Tony, so that she could go to Rick, the guy who kidnapped her in the first place. She realizes she's in the seedy neighborhood with his angry girlfriend and a drug deal that's about to go bad and Dan's angry brother and what does she do? She's like, Dan's not coming back. He's dead. Shut up, Kim. <laughs> this is why things happen to you. I mean, I guarantee that she was like with the cougar at some point off screen. She was like, you know what? My dad shot and ate your brother. And that's why this is happening. And that's why the cougar's going after her. She just doesn't do herself any favors. And then just the way that she, after stirring up all this trouble, basically she's put Rick and Melanie in a position now where either Frank is going to kill them or drug dealers are going to kill them. She's like, you know what? I'm out of here. See you later. And just tries to leave like all this loyalty to Rick. No, no, no. I need to help Rick. And now she's basically leaving him for dead. So I'm so happy that moment where she's about to walk out the door. And then that, that very creepy face just pops up of the the gun guys. Uh, I don't know. Frank calling in these gun guys (laughs) to back up his drug deal. It's very amateur. Uh, but the the moment with uh, homie, the, <laughs> homie the, the the drug dealer slash cop, uh, I do like his taunting of him. Uh, I like uh, the, the the moment where he's like, you know, you have the right to remain silent or whatever. He's an undercover cop. Uh, I, I I do like that part. If it were part of a different show, it's hard to take when you're just waiting to find out what's happening with the terrorists. Oh no, Kim's under arrest now. And she, of course, again, you could own up to the fact that you caused all this, but I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Like, oh, come on. Um, Yeah, I, I think the problem with Dan's brother is that there was something about Dan who kind of like, I don't want to say you felt sorry for Dan, but you could tell that they were way over their heads. Like that was yeah. the thing about Rick and Dan. Like they, they were doing this thing. They thought it'd be an easy job. And then all of a sudden it's like, fuck, we're way over our heads here. And then, you know, Dan gets shot and kind of he's dead and that's it. But like you, you sort of weirdly sympathize with Dan in a weird way. Like just mm-hmm. the way, how it all played out. His brother, nothing. Like I, I feel nothing for this guy. He's just a douche nozzle. I mean, he basically just when he finds out his brother's dead, it's just like, oh fuck, let's get like the army in and fucking hold these guys up. Like that's his view. I mean, it's the Janet syndrome. Oh, they're dead. Oh well, let's move on. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. I, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I mean, like if this was in, like I say, One Tree Hill. Like if this was the OC, like you'd be like, this is a type of thing that fits in a show like that. Like you would be tense. Oh, this is really like action filled. Like wow, like the OC. You'd buy this, but like literally with Kim now, and like you, you say about Terry and Kim, how they've got their own storylines and they're not connected. Like Terry's sort of is because at least she's being chased by assassins related to this plot. 
Kim's literally got nothing to do with it. It's just like, yeah. this is the problem with Kim in season two. It's putting her in trouble for trouble's sake. And they're going to drag this out with Kim now for the next how many episodes. At least Terry after next week is just kind of in a room in CTU for the remaining five hours. You know, <laughs> whereas Kim is just always going to be somewhere in trouble. Um, yeah. I will say, like, I like the cop. And that moment that you have the right to remain silent. I remember watching that for the first time again, like... This isn't one of those things where you're like, oh, these are totally cops. Like, you know, like, yeah, you, I was it shocked. It really catches you off guard. You're like, holy crap. Um, I do. The the random homies that come and help out Dan's brother, uh, This one of them is Noel Gugliemi, the actor who's like the go to Latino looking thug in everything. Look at his filmography. <laughs> He's literally, that's all he plays. But I actually recognize him from, of all things, Bruce Almighty. Do you remember in Bruce Almighty when. He turns around and says something to Bruce, like, oh, yeah, and there's going to be a monkey right up my ass. And then, like, a monkey comes out of his ass. Like, that's oh, the guy yeah. in Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I just... But did you notice incredibly racist moment in this episode? Please tell me you noticed incredibly racist moment in this episode. If I did, I didn't note it. Refresh my memory. So when he goes, you have the right to remain silent and like what? And the cops storm the building. They shoot one person. The black guy. <laughs> Out of all the people they could shoot, they shoot the black guy. Literally, I had to rewind it about three times because I'm like, they didn't like just shoot one person. And you look, it's literally the one black guy in the room is the one the cops shoot. I'm like, they're not helping themselves out here. Look, this show was progressive. It was ahead of the times. I mean, they knew <laughs> this would be a thing years later. They're just getting it on the ground floor. <laughs> Black Lives I Matter. I don't think. I mean, imagine social media. Like if this was a show in 2021. Like, oh, you know, the next day it would be all over the news. 24 in trouble. Like the, the one person the cops shoot yeah. the scene is the. Bl- like, why hasn't this been removed from like Disney Plus? You know, <laughs> like, you know, back in the day this was acceptable, but. Outside of Let's that. Let's start like, it now. Yeah. Let's cancel 24, Ben. <laughs> cancel <Thanks>. 24. <laughs> they're shooting. The cops are shooting black guys. That's all they're doing. So, <laughs> Anyway, I think I went on a rant too long, and I think I said the words black guys too many times, so I think we should probably move on. <laughs> I-, I did make a note of one Frank line that just drove me up the wall, uh, where uh, after they pull the guns, where he's saying, come on, homie, and then he <laughs> says to the, the drug dealer slash, stand down or you're eating it. <laughs> eating what <laughs> I, I do like actually the, like this guy's a pretty good actor like i like the way when he's on the phone he's just like i think i got a broken nose like the way he kind of does yeah. it um i don't know he's got a way of doing it which is just believable so um props to this guy i mean we we're bagging out what's his face last week teddy but this guy is darren hames uh so the esteemed darren hames so wasn't he the guy uh, in savage garden uh, Darren Hayes, <laughs> close though. They, they they look similar. You got to admit. I can, I can I can see it. Best known for Sons of Anarchy, where he played Seamus Ryan, my my favorite character in that show that I've never watched. So yeah. Uh, so anyways, aside from the cop, this storyline sucks. So let's move on. Uh, Terry, let's quickly no. get this out of the way too. So quickly, uh, you can wrap it up in like two <laughs> seconds. Come on. So this doctor who uh, Terry apparently never wanted to go too far with knows where their hidden key is. So why he was sneaking into their house, I don't know. Uh, and uh, we have the little assassin, our, our number three assassin who's uh, on the outside. I love that he he's saying right in front of, Oh yeah, you always have a hidden key right here. I just want to see the assassin. I should have checked under the doormat. <laughs> <laughs> never learn. Why are you so stupid? <laughs> this guy's the worst assassin. Uh, but Terry, of course, doesn't. So this guy, he knows that they have the key under the doormat. He doesn't know that the alarm might be armed, like <laughs> Dr. Phil here. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but the, <laughs> the the way that this all happens with the alarm going, ah, 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 they're calling it, hello, what's your password? I don't know my password. These guards show up very quickly with their guns so drawn. They're right there. Yeah. They're quicker than CTU. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what the 30... I mean, it takes Tony a whole hour to get here. Come on. Jesus, I want these guys protecting Palmer. Yeah, uh, but uh, I I love the moment where uh, they come in and they're clearing her. I'm sorry, I don't know my password. Do you have any idea? Yeah, it might be in my purse. And they just start seeing pictures everywhere. It's okay. No ID necessary, ma'am. This is clearly you. They live here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love Dr. Phil here is under the assumption that the guy in those pictures has beaten his wife, which is why he brings an armed guard in 
which is yeah. a pretty drastic step. So why would these police officers, guards, or whatever they are, not make the same assumption? Listen, this could be an abusive mother. That girl in the picture, she's not here. Did you kill her? Like, yeah. do a little bit of research, guys. Just Don't just let her off the hook. What if she had plastic surgery like what's his name mr first assassin um, exactly belkin yeah belkin this is this could be a terrorist right here i mean they're just not thinking nobody's on their game here uh, late, but- late, later this year there will be a korean man turn into an english man and try and blow up the demilitarized <laughs> zone so it's capable gene sequencing was a thing in 2002 and they were stopped by an invisible car so exactly. maybe it is and they cut surf their way out of there <laughs> and Halle berry was a bond girl <laughs> come on <laughs> and pierce brosnan was still bond oh <laughs> good old but- days uh, I don't know the stuff with Terry just jogging her memory. Like again, I'll, I'll say there's an improvement over last week. I talked about how there was zero comfort you could tell from uh, Leslie Hope in delivering this amnesia storyline. She seemed a little bit more confident this time, but still, when they're doing things like going through her planner and she's like Yvonne's birthday, who's Yvonne? <laughs> I'm just, I know she does not care, and I want to know who's waiting Yvonne. For this. I've been waiting to find out that Terry is a freelance interior designer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, finally, backstory. And you know what? If she was, if she's a freelance interior decorator, she should not be more familiar with that furniture store (laughs) earlier on. I mean, forget about the whole reason that she never got it on with Dr. Phil here. Because, no, I didn't want Kim to know or whatever. Take him to the furniture store. You know what goes on there. Kim even knows. Yep, exactly. Yep. And just I'm sure Dr. Parslow's got a massive dong. I mean, he's a surgeon. So, you know, yeah, go for Well, him. he also he also has, uh, I don't know, an armed guard at his disposal who's who also there guy? quicker than CTU. Like, this guy just shows up, creepy bald guy, <laughs> who, like, I think wants to use the bathroom. Um, I kind of really point out before I forget, I, I love the fact that they're, like, when the alarm goes off, I'm like, ah, ah, and they're trying to, like, turn things off in the switch thing, that these mm-hmm. security people just come over and flick a switch. Is that all you have yeah, to do? Exactly. To turn, like, I'm going to rob a house. Oh, flick that switch. Done. <laughs> And is, is it a switch that Terry should have known about? Why is her memory jogged? She starts getting jogged when she sees a card from Kim on the table. Yeah. How about your alarms going off? You're in panic mode. You know, you're. Oh, I remember my code. Anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the way that this all plays out with her being scared because she sees a gun again. Her memories just come back with the weirdest things. They come back because she sees a gun. No, no, no. I'm remembering something. I don't like violence. <laughs> Kick him out of here. I want him out of the house. And of course, this guy, excuse me, can I use the can? I got to take a massive dump. <laughs> this guy, I hope he's not getting paid. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Why does you Dr. Paso know this guy? Know this guy. I don't want to speak like that. Like, who is, like, what surgeon is he that he knows armed, bold-looking redneck dude? Like, yeah. why does he know? Who's he hanging out with? No wonder Terry didn't want to date you, you freaky guy. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a worse connection than, than Rick and Dan and Frank. Yeah, he's exactly. Because they, they at least get the job done. I mean, sure, they didn't identify it was a cop, but if that was a drug dealer, they would have gotten the upper hand. This armed guard is the first one taken out by the assassin who couldn't look for a key under a doormat. And and notice how, like, uh, I, I mean, I'm mean, jumping ahead to this time next week, but, uh, you know, I, I think this guy randomly, the armed guard must die because, like, all of a sudden, like, he's not getting taken away by Tony next week. So I don't know what yeah. happens to him. There's also another funny part here where, where Kim's memory gets, or not Kim, Terry's memory gets jogged uh, when she sees this card. Now, first of all, all the pictures in the house, oh, that must be my daughter. Oh, that must be my husband. That's when doctor's like, oh, yeah, but he could have roughed you up because that's the first assumption you're going to make. Not that she fell and scraped her head when she, you know, uh, I don't know, tripped walking down the road. No, let's just immediately blame the abusive husband. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh, also, the, the picture of uh, Kiefer Sutherland in his military uniform here was apparently a still that they took from a few good men. Oh. So recycled material here. Uh, but yeah, she sees this card that says to mom from Kim or whatever. <laughs> I don't even think it says from Kim. And it's like this revelation to Terry. She made this for me. <laughs> well, let me see. You know that you have a daughter. You have seen pictures with you and your daughter. You see a to mom card in your house and then it's like i remember she made this for me no it couldn't have been the fact that you only have one daughter and you're the mother and it was in your house (laughs) big revelation uh but the useless assassin eventually breaks in 
disarms everybody. Terry freaks out, ah, more guns. Uh, and then Tony comes in for the save. So now we know Tony's a real hero. It, it, it's probably our, I, I'm not going to say it's our first, but I think it's, this is the moment where it became conclusive. Okay. Tony is not the other mole because why would he be stopping this? Cause he's been on the, the, okay, let's tell Jack about Terry and Kim. And then mm. all of a sudden, you know, he swoops in and saves the day. You finally know he's a hero now. Yeah. And I mean, it's a nice little moment. I kind of like that sort of, you know, bang, damn, there he goes. Um, bye-bye random assassin who can't find keys. But um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a bit of an action at the end. I, I like Tony saving the day. And yeah, you're right. Kind of, this is a real moment for Tony now that um you know you you know he's good but um yeah i mean i don't really have a whole lot to say because i mean terry is an interior designer and no (laughs) not dr phil i mean dr phil literally will be like daniel craig in tomb raider he's like he's there and he will just disappear with no explanation uh so yeah maybe it's his baby yeah maybe (laughs) he was just lying to terry we don't know this is the last thing that Terry will something. Well, okay. Maybe the last thing until the last episode where something exciting yeah. will happen to Terry. Cause again, Terry is literally just going to be in CTU asking where Jack is for the rest of this season. Now, so <laughs> where's Jack? <laughs> All the other characters on the screen should just be asking, where's Jack? <laughs> Random woman. I've got the passenger list. Where's Jack? Uh, he's not on the passenger <laughs> list. Maybe we'll have to go get that in a new one. I wanted to identify a very excited moment I had here. Uh, we've come to the conclusion of Teddy Hanlon's story, thankfully. Uh, but our man in the hat here that Teddy Hanlon took out, uh, who is this? It's Alan Morgan. I just, this is the Alan. 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 <laughs> so many Alans. We talked about 2001, 2002 being the year of Alan, and now we've got it another is. Alan Morgan. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> But really, this part of Jack's storyline, aside from, Jack, what happened here? Well, Teddy happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just leave it at that. <laughs> they how does know. Mason get there so quickly? Why is Ma- And why is Mason there? I'm checking up on Jack. Well, he says he's going to chaperone him here because, uh, I don't know, they sent Nina back. I don't know, was this the pl- Maybe because he always has to have an escort with him because I did like that well, the, the when Mason says, all right, let's go. What do you mean, let's go, Mason? Yeah. I'm your chaperone. Like maybe it is a thing where he needs a chaperone now. Maybe. But uh, yeah, he has that line where it's like, uh, uh, you ever notice there's always a body count wherever you go? <laughs> like that, that line's been used in so many movies, but it's so that's a, such a lethal weapon line. But it's great. I like uh, the I like the bromance between these two when they get oh, into each great. other. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it with the exchanging stories. And, of course, they identify, too. They're like, oh, what's wrong, Jack? No, just getting a little bit tired. This is probably the last time in, let's say, 10 seasons, 11 seasons, if you count all the, the versions of the show, all the movies and everything, that anybody actually says they're tired at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. some things in season one that they should have faltered. Oh, I'm really tired. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Me, too. Well, I, well, <laughs> I always – I, th- I think we might have mentioned this at the beginning, but I think, like – I feel you need that more because I think what they did in future seasons is like this is the only season where it starts at like midnight to midnight. And if you mm-hmm. kind of analyze that, analyze this, analyze this, die another day. Wow, we're going there. Like you think about it, they've technically been up for two days because like they yeah. didn't go to bed, say on the Monday, and now this is the Tuesday and they're up all that time still. So like at least yeah. future seasons are going to start at like 8 a.m. or 1 p.m. or something like that. I think, isn't there even a season yeah. that starts at 6 p.m.? I can't remember. But like at least that then makes it a little bit more sense that you can argue that, oh, okay, they're not as tired as they would be from a midnight to midnight. Yeah, because at the beginning of this season, everybody was right. Kim was actually supposed to be going to bed. So all all these characters, except for those who obviously work the night shift like Tony, you know, they don't care at all. You know, Milo's complaining because Milo's a day guy. He's a day shifter. And coming at 5 a.m. to format files. (laughs) Uh, Also, we do get uh, the uh, two things identified here. One where David um, calls Jack. He's very much... I don't know, showboating here. I had to twist a lot of arms to get this Drazen file. I pulled a lot of favors. <laughs> He's going on and on about this. Uh, and they basically just get the address they're looking for, which the address is right in the vicinity of where this mall was. Saugus. What are the odds? Did you hear Saugus. about Saugus? <laughs> where have I heard that before? About 30 seconds ago, I heard Saugus. Sorry, so uh, did you say Saugus? Well, and Tony says here, I think it is Tony, who says, that's right in the middle of sector. It's 26 double G. Right in the middle of sector 7G. Simpson, eh? 
we, of course, have to have another moment because, again, they're getting worried that people aren't following this show week by week. Mason's got to explain this plot. So tell me again, Jack, why is this all happening? Well, you see, many years ago, there was Operation Nightfall, and he, he you know, is going on about the Drazens and the Palmers and everything. And this is where the bromance thing kind of starts here, too, where he goes, well, Jack, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I really want these two guys to, to, to get their own. So they, they need their own Lethal Weapon series. Because like, we don't get that much interaction with them. It's a lot of phone interaction between them in Season 2, if I remember. Yeah, I think there's a bit at the beginning, but then it basically turns phone. But, um, no, actually, I think they are together a lot more in Season 2 than you remember. But, um, yeah, like, uh, obviously, Mason's got a bit more to play in Season 2. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. And But I just I just like the, the bromance, getting to know each other, and then, you know, these little subtle hints that Mason might be evil, like when he gets mm. a phone call to Nina, and he's basically like, and Nina's like, oh, like why don't you tell her, Jack? Uh, yeah, no, we can't do that. Uh-huh. Oh, that was... Oh, yeah, oh, no, no, what was that? Oh, Jack, can I borrow your phone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but again, the, the reason for that is because they want to throw suspicion on Mason, mm. but... We've been saying a week after week, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right now, Jack, there's a reason Mason's chaperoning him because Jack is in custody still. They've just provisionally released him. And he's even reminded us almost every week, once this is all over with, I'm going right back into custody and I'm going to face charges. Why is he facing charges? Because he took it upon himself to do the missions the way he wanted. And there's the conflict of interest of, oh, it was because your wife and daughter. Now, if Mason, the guy who's supposed to be chaperoning him, who is the only person now who's responsible for Jack, tells Jack about this, he knows Jack is going to go off and guns a-blazing looking for Kim and Terry and abandon this mission and future black president whose daughter was raped, but it's not about those things, people, is going to be killed and then it's all on Mason's shoulders. Mason's going to jail too. So if you really think about it logically, I don't really feel that this makes Mason suspicious. It just makes him a good boss. As hard yeah. as it is to think that Mason's a good boss, it makes him a good boss. I, no, I completely agree. Like, Mason's not doing anything wrong. Um, and, like, w- what we can say without spoiling the next few weeks is that go back and watch this episode when you know what happens at the end because, it like, it makes it interesting, this phone call between Nina and Mason, how it all plays out and everything. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, it's... It does, I mean, I think I remember watching this, and I think at this point my dad and I were like, oh, Mason's a mole, Mason's a mole, Mason's a mole, like, you know, and I think everyone would be picking that, you know, at this yeah. point. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm probably taking a thunder here, but, I mean, again, Nina doesn't really have a whole lot to do again this week except yeah. find out that they're missing well, um, and make a, making a phone call. <laughs> That's they, what they, Nina but does. <laughs> I will say, see, I, I always remembered, even in season one, even before, you know, Nina's character progresses, uh, I always remember Nina being one of my favorite things in this season. And mm. she really doesn't have a lot to do, but she has a presence. Like, uh, the fact is, when they have that moment where Tony says to her, you're not a field agent, I'm still questioning it because she operates like a field agent. Yeah. So the, she, she's that. she's a good espionage agent for a show like this. There's a lot of confidence she gives. Also, I think maybe it's because there weren't a lot of female characters like this. Like, Alias debuted the same year, and Alias, they made a big deal about the fact that it's a female lead. Now, I think a couple of years ago, they actually uh, uh, kind of tabulated and figured out that there were more female-led TV shows on TV than there were male shows, even in the action genre. It was like 60-40 for shows with female leads. But in 2001, it was unusual to see an agent like Nina in the field. Was Dark Angel before or after Alias? I think Dark Angel was the year before. I didn't like that show. But um, anyway, um, I, one, <laughs> one moment I, I was, I'm just watching here that I want to point out with a little Jack and, um, and Mason moment is I love it when, like, Jack jumps the fence and Mason kind of just looks at him and then, like, goes through the gate or whatever it is or, like, yeah. you know, fits through it. But, um, I like, I, I love just this mystery of them hunting around a field and looking and there's a substation and this, that and everything else. And then just the way it ends, like, I just fucking love this helicopter. Like, it's, it's literally a helicopter <laughs> flying over. And they're oh. just literally like, someone knows we're here. And, like, I'm like, fuck, what's going on? Like, I want to watch next week now all of a sudden. So it's just, it's it's pointless, but it's, it's so tension-filled. Well, and Jack... You know, saying uh, this is no wildlife sanctuary. <laughs> There's no Putting water. The together. <laughs> There's no wildlife. Uh, but you have the GPS that leads them to the middle of nowhere, and we start to see the sun go down too, which is I know exciting for Do you. We? You're waiting for sundown. Do well, we? we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing the sunset a little bit. Well, okay. Xander uh, Berkeley said in the, in the book as well that like yeah, they had like one take of doing this scene because you know they had to make sure that the sun was there. But like the reason I go. Do we? Because, like, it's pretty light at the end of this episode. Next week, you get, like, a five-second quick field montage of the sun going down. It's pitch black. 
So yeah. um, the sun sets very quickly in Los Angeles. I've been there. What can I say? It, it always happens. Yeah, that's, that's a Los Angeles thing. That's the way yeah. they roll. Uh, but I, I got really excited where where the helicopter comes and Mason says, what's that? Reconnaissance? I just wanted jo- Jack to go, no, it's Chopper Command. <laughs> <laughs> and you got this theme song. Chopper Command, here for the day. Yeah. Chopper Command. Yeah. Got them going to the camera with their sunglasses. It was like that, you know, ding going from their teeth uh, like <laughs> forget jack mason lethal weapon spinoff we need the chopper command show <laughs> chopper command it's chopper command it's brad it's blake and nathan <laughs> and jackson yeah <laughs> and introducing jessica Da-da-da-da. it's chopper command this is the early days there's only one female character <laughs> they're not the exactly. lead <laughs> yeah. uh so anyways the main event the palmer drama Wow, this scene where Sherry at the dinner table is blowing oh. up at Keith. It's a it it really shows like how strong of a character she is. But it also she's a bad mother, but I still love her. I don't know why she's this of, is all your fault, Keith. I like yes, like I the thing with Sherry is like I feel like I'm gonna be defending her a lot in the next few weeks. Because like I can definitely see why people would hate her and how she's coming across as evil. But I somehow also kind of agree with her. She's just being honest. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of your fault, well, Keith. I, mean, <laughs> it, it, I think it's, it's it's her lack of tact as a mother where she could have yeah. had the, the bedside the manner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, but some of the lines she has, though, are like, I mean, it's really enraged and, and great writing, too, where, where she talks about you, you are your father's son. You cover up your weakness with bleeding heart sentimentality and you start to look back on the palmer character and a lot of the stuff that we've been pinpointing like where where sherry's you know saying about palmer it's like oh you just have to be mr hero and everything and like she has a point again i'm not saying that you know she's wrong this episode sort of proves how david can do things but <laughs> it, she kind of does have a point they both have this tendency no we need the truth to come out which by the way was not either of their positions in other parts of the season which we've also talked about I've got to say, like, next week there's a scene where they basically, they use it to kind of explain what will happen with these two at the end of this season. And, like, it's an interesting scene because, like, it makes sense, but it almost feels forced. Like, I don't say forced. That's not the right word because it's not forced. Like, it kind of goes back to when I said about how, you know, Sherry's kind of been missing for a while. She's been there, but none of this has sort of come up until now. Like, we've had that one sort of evil Sherry moment, you know, about her hiding the Nicole drama until the tape last week. And then every every week from this point on, we're basically going to get, oh, Sherry does something evil now. Um, and, like, I get it. You've got to sell her in a certain way. And, and maybe, again, the writers obviously didn't know where they were going with Sherry until this part of the season, and now they clearly yeah. know. But, like... Like next week, you you when you watch it, you'll understand what I mean. Like it's just this line, and then it kind of gets explained, and then you kind of understand it. But then it's like you feel like there should be more of a build up to that moment. But mm-hmm. I will say, like I just again, it's it's one of these things where like I want a team Sherry T shirt because again, I'm I'm also <laughs> team David because this is the episode I feel where David tells the truth. David yeah. stands up in front of everyone and kind of we've been saying he's a bad politician, but I'm watching this press conference in a moment, going okay, well, fair enough. You've you've. I understand why you wanted to be honest because it's a resounding speech and good for you. And like this, as I said last week, the creator said that Palmer's the heart of this show and this scene, when we get to it, we'll just do it. But at the same time, Sherry's like, and this is what I think you and I said at the beginning of this, Sherry's not just like black and white evil. Like she's not just like dead, super evil. You like, she's got layers to her, which I think Mm -hmm. that you can understand why she's doing it. She's power hungry, sure. But that line that she said last week about I will do anything to protect my family, like she's just being a strong-hearted mother who's power-hungry, who's maybe got the bad bedside manner, but her heart's in the right place, but she's maybe doing wrong things about it. Like kind of a Jack, she's kind of Jack Bauer. She also wants to make history here because she even says to Keith, your dad is running for president. A black man is running for, like basically saying, hey, we have more obstacles in our way. Why are you creating another one? Uh, I I will say... I, w- I was going to say the one weakness of this is Nicole. Uh, I'm, really? I, don't I like Nicole in this. Like I, I'm with you going to bag her I like this sequence. It's not her. It's, it's the fact that 
okay, this panic attack she has or her choking on her chicken, whatever it is. If we had not already had the scene earlier in the season where she's like, hey, look at me, my phone's tapped so Keith can get out. This <laughs> wouldn't play as much to me like she's faking it. Like, I don't want to say that to a rape victim. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not accusing wow, her of anything. Oh, Jesus, but Colin. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden everybody's fighting. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the moment where she actually breaks down and says it's all my fault, that's really powerful. But I, I think we could, if, if we didn't have that earlier scene, I wouldn't now be thinking pretty convenient that you're choking now <laughs> when everybody's <laughs> blowing up at each other. But otherwise it's a great. Moment. Like everything from, I, I, there's not one bad moment of the Palmer drama when they move into his long walk, like it's uh, done before and after commercial break like that. The, Sean Callery's music there alone is yeah. you know, one of the best music cues of the season. The long walk, his press conference. I will say I remembered him being, uh, and I can figure out now why that is, but I remembered him being a lot more discreet with this, where it was like he went up and he made a speech and he didn't give a lot of details, you know? Oh, something happened, but we're going to get to the bottom of it. And it was just done in a political way where, yeah, I love this guy, even though I have no idea what he I just said. I think he does that a lot more in the future seasons. You might be thinking of some speeches he does in future seasons. Yeah, well, I, I also think that the way that he he doesn't identify what the crime is here, you know? Mm. Uh, that that also, I think, is the reason why I remembered this is, you know, oh, and something happened with my son, and I'm sure there'll be an investigation, but you're going to all know he's innocent. Uh, but it's handled in such a political way. I think what really makes this great is that it sets him up as a politician while also showing you he's he's unlike politicians. The whole point of the scene is no politician would ever do this. Yeah. But the way that he delivers it is still so political, which is great. So, I mean, yeah. this is the star of the episode. Everybody shines in this episode at one point or another. Uh, I will say, though, the fact that if you were to do this even as discreetly as he, he did, we're, what, two years away from a scream killing somebody's political campaign? <laughs> a, a, a jovial scream killed a, a Democrat's, a white Democrat's political campaign. So I remember that. This, wow. this would never fly, even in 2002, yeah. but, I mean, it's great television. Look, realism aside, yeah, again, you're right. And, like, let's, from this point on, what we're going to get next week and the following weeks with how this plays out, bullshit. Not realistic at all. Particularly how when we get the polls next week, the snap polls are done in, like, 15 minutes, and then all of a sudden... <laughs> but, like, the one thing I will say, him making this speech now doesn't affect him becoming the Democratic candidate because the polls are basically closed at this point. So people have voted. So Super Tuesday, he's already elected. It then comes yeah. down to, does the Democratic Party go, fuck, no, we can't have this guy? Because they, they ultimately have yeah, the end of power. Pull they the can plug. decide. So therefore, it might affect him in November. <laughs> Wait but, a second. So, you mean those same people that he basically just called out on television? <laughs> yeah. But, like, I mean, again, realistically, this wouldn't play because, I mean, particularly how the media is today. Like, there's no way. Like, And I'm a fucking journalist, and I'm not one of those journalists, but, like, I know journalists who would just rip him apart, like, ask the questions, like, I, this isn't about rape. You leave my daughter alone. Journalists aren't just going to sit there and go, oh, okay, we won't do our job and ask the pressing yeah. questions. No. Like, one of his oldest friends was willing to spill the beans on this. There's no we, way that press who's not behind him is going to let it be. We literally just live through... 2021, the Britney Spears saga about calling out journalists in 2001 for asking her questions about her virginity and then apparently Justin Timberlake being wrong because he admitted on air that he fucked her. Oh, no, let's cancel Justin Timberlake because he was honest. Get over yeah. it. Like, this is that error. They're going to ask the call about questions. But, like, okay, all that aside... Again, I would love this dinner table scene to be part of the top five, but there's no way it will because we've just got so many other good things. If we had a top ten, I would argue this would probably... It's just... It's so I might well fight acted. for it still. I might fight uh, for it just because of Sherry. Look, I, well, there's I, I one Sherry scene. Some, there are more, but like, look, maybe we'll we'll do a constellation do our top five Sherry moments. Realistically, there are going to be three moments in the final episode that will be in the top five. There will be a moment from the second last episode that will probably be in the top five. And then I'm going to argue Jack and the Towel is probably going to take the, the fifth oh, yeah. spot. Like, so that's just me. I'm calling it now. But anyway, but um, it's so well acted. Penny Johnson Jr. and Dennis Haysbert had like, you just believe they're fighting each other. Yeah. Nicole, like, I get what you're saying, but, like, just, I, I, I want to try and pronounce the actress's name, but I'm going to completely butcher it. But, like, she's so good. Like, and I, like, I'm not trying to just be the guy who's like, oh, look at the hot chick. But, like, I'm weirdly attracted yeah. to Nicole all of a sudden. Like, I've all of a sudden this episode, I'm going, like, she's really attractive. Um, you know what's, you know what's funny? I'm, I'm... Echikawoki. That's her name. 
I was just going to say, you know, she was fairly attractive. I found her early. There was something about this episode, though, to, to me, where she looked 12 years old. So it's not surprising that Probably why I find <laughs> you, you so found her more attractive in this week. Usually older than I go for, but hey, why not? Um, <laughs> but like, like the way Dennis Haysbert comforts her. And like, we, we made oh, yeah. fun of him the other week when he was like, why? Like, when, but like, just, oh, like it nearly brought a tear to my eye when she's like crying and she's like, it's all my fault. And he's like, no, what? Like, just he's so comforting. And like, it's just, oh, it's such a, like a moment. And even just Penny Johnson, Gerald kind of like looking shocked and just everything about it is just absolutely incredible. The speech he gives, like, again, it's bullshit. He would never get away with it, but yeah. it is just, and it's Dennis Haysbert. Like he just, he delivers it. And like, I'm like, fuck, I want this guy as my president. And spoiler alert, he's going to be president in future seasons. And, like, he was voted in some poll I watched as, like, television's greatest president behind uh, Martin Sheen from the West Wing. Mm. Um, And then often when they do fictional presidents with, like, movie presidents involved as well, like, you know, you've got people like Bill Pullman and Harrison Ford and sort of movie presidents like that, Dennis Haysbert always makes, like, a top ten. And there's a reason why. Like, there's just something about him. He's so good. But I just want to go back to my point really quickly. Um, yeah, Penny Johnson, Gerald, Sherry. The reason I say she's kind of like Jack is because she's badass and says damn it all the time. But like, again, like Jack is that type of person who does bad things for good reasons and you're on board with it and you, you support him and you root for him, right? We're not meant to root and support for Sherry. We're meant to not like her. But I would yeah. definitely put the argument she does nothing different to what Jack does. She does bad things for good reasons. Okay, mm-hmm. she's power hungry. Okay, she wants to be in the White House, and that's kind of going to be the narrative for the rest of this season. But at the end of the day, she's doing it for good reasons. She's doing it for her husband. She's not doing it for her to become... This isn't Robin Wright in House of Cards. This <laughs> is, you know, her wanting a husband. And, you know, anyway, whole other episode another time. This Palmer stuff is amazing, and it just it sells this episode so well. You know, there's one thing that... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if this has been addressed at any point if if there was a scene that I missed earlier on but he's very discreet with what Keith did in this press conference to say <laughs> oh there was something it's not gonna be a crime but then he comes right out and says my daughter was raped yeah. did he ask her permission to out her as a victim oh, of a sexual crime sexist Palmer <laughs> God Palmer like you just you're name shaming that what well, one thing too that I I do like is um, the little moment when he comes out of the press conference. And I always love press conferences in these shows when, like, as soon as a person leaves, everyone's like, oh, President Palmer, President Palmer, President Palmer, President Palmer. And then, like, he's still out the door and they're still going, Palmer, Palmer, what's he going to, like, go all of a sudden do? Oh, actually, I just heard a really good question. Jenny, yes. Um, but when he when he sees Keith and he kind of has that little moment with Keith. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. They hug. They actually hug. It's not just a handshake. So yeah. they're going to watch some Tube together. <laughs> Um, I, I don't really like the I love you dad moment it's a little bit too one tree hill but uh, <laughs> the the thing you mentioned about the press conference or the, all the reporters yelling I actually I never thought about this but I look at it from the other side they'll keep yelling even when he's all the way out the door at what point do they stop is there just eventually a collective like oh from all the people's like oh i i have been to numerous press conferences too many to count i i can't say i've ever been to one of these ones where everyone's like shouting over the top of each <laughs> like generally you go to press conferences where you are generally with people that you bump into all the time from different media organizations you kind of know each other and it's kind of civil. You kind of like look at each other and kind of like, or sometimes like you just fucking go for it. You just mm. jump in with a question and just hope that, you know, and then usually when you're at one and somebody asks a question you're about to ask, you're like, oh, you fucking little shit. I was about to fucking <laughs> ask that question. Um, so, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, maybe one day I will get the pleasure of going to a press conference where I can be one of these. Forget, forget that. Just next press conference you're at, just do it. Yeah. Even if it's just you mumbling gibberish. What's this one guy doing? Just going... <laughs> Literally saying... <laughs> you can get like just an audio track playing on your phone of all this press conference noise and then you'll be the one going... <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you they've like gotten like what? 30 extras. They've just dressed them up as journalists. And I like, I don't think anything is scripted. They've probably all gone, okay, you're just journalists. You're trying to get questions. Like I want them to isolate the audio for every single one of these. Somebody's probably going like, Mr. Palmer, Senator Palmer, why did you have a breakfast this morning? Senator Palmer, Senator Palmer, how big's your dong? Senator Palmer, Senator Palmer, (laughs) wasn't really about rape. Like 
Like, I swear, like, if what you What is isolate... your sunblock on the tube? Yeah. <laughs> what was in, um, uh, License to Kill over in 007? Are you really Dominican or whatever it is? Yeah, like, yeah. When they're trying to question Sam. What's the real story with you and the iguana? <laughs> Why is there a blinking fish at the end of this movie? <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much it for the episode. I, I, I don't know what I'm... I'm leaning towards a buy on this one. I know we've been on a long string of rents and everything. Uh, or did you have any trivia you wanted to give away first? Uh, oh, the only thing in the book that I was of any note was that apparently the writers of this show uh, basically admitted that they name characters after certain people. So Joel Cernow, uh names people after tennis players. Uh, Mr. Cochran uses chess players while producer Michael Lochev um, uses people from the college that he works at, uh, while many names come from the charity auctions where people bid to have a character named after them. That's kind of cool. Ooh. Can uh, we so get in on those for the reboot? Maybe. I mean, I've I've famously had a character named after me in a, in a fantasy <laughs> novel series, so uh, I've had a character named after me before, so uh, maybe they can translate that into 24. So who knows? That's the only trivia I've got. The other, the other I think there was a goof, uh, according to 24 Wiki, it says um, that the laptop in Kim Bauer's room, which in this episode is an Apple iBook G3 Snow, in um, the very first episode was actually a graphite Apple iBook G3 clamshell. Ooh. Clamshell? I know. They've changed it in the space of how many hours is that? Like 17 hours? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy this one. As bad as some of the Kim stuff especially and the Terry stuff is, uh, I really think that the Jack storyline's good, and I think the Palmer stuff makes up for everything else. So without Palmer drama, this would be a rent, uh, and that might even be a little bit generous. But uh, Palmer drama is so good that I'm going to actually make this one a buy. I'm definitely buying it. I think the the Palmer drama stuff alone would – yeah, you're right. But, I mean, I'm so intrigued with the Jack stuff that that even bumps it up for me. I mean, like, I literally – can you can edit the Terry and Kim stuff out of this, and the episode is like it's not different. Like that doesn't affect this episode at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean this is my first buy since uh, the morning, eleven a.m. to twelve p.m. Same with yours. So um, yeah. we've gone what uh, six episodes without a buy. So here we go. Um, but uh, yeah, and in terms of rating this. Um, yeah, again, it, it doesn't help me when I look at some of these episodes. But um, yeah, I've got the my lowest buy is the pilot, um, so I might put this just one above the pilot. Hey, that's funny. That's exactly what I was gonna do. I mean, it's gonna oh, be a different number on our lists, but look at I had the same thing. I've got this uh, just above the pilot at number nine on my list. Number nine on mine as well. Oh, so. we're identical. Oh, look Twinsies. at us. Oh, I would link little fingers with you right now if we weren't over Zoom. That sounded a bit gay. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> My wife may be watching. <laughs> she can join in, apparently. I, 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 I don't know. So, yeah. But, uh, oh. So you, now, you did watch ahead to next week. So, give us a tease of some of the stuff we're going to be looking for. Other than Kim getting thrown in a jail cell. Uh, uh, and- I mean... Kim and Terry again are just forgettable next week. Terry's in the car um, <laughs> and Kim's being interrogated. That's about it. We don't get the bring it on yet, but, uh, you know. Um, but the the stuff next week is all about Jack. I mean, mm-hmm. God, like, Jack gets shot with a taser. Like, get excited. Um, but what is amazing next week is we get two massive big guest stars introduced next week. Uh, one huge, huge guest star, which I remember watching this for the first time going like, holy crap, how the hell did they get him? Is um, it one the villain that I'm thinking of? It definitely is. Um, so yes, big. Finally. That he's even, he, I, don't, I believe he's not even on the guest starring next week. He's just like a surprise. But we get um, a reunion uh, with Keeper Sutherland and uh, a very famous guy from the late 80s and 90s. I believe they were in um, uh, Young Guns, I think, together, I believe. so. Um, is it Amelia? No, sadly, sadly, it's not Emilio. Oh, God, imagine Emilio Estevez in this show. Holy crap, this would overtake Third Watch as my favourite show of all time. But uh, no, um, we get... Do we want to say who or we just keep it... I think we keep it secret. Let's Um, keep it a secret in case there's many people who've never watched the show before. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's... it's, I mean, the Jack stuff is great. Uh, We... It's a big plot twist next week. 
uh, when it comes to the reveal of uh, one of the guest stars and who they are. Uh, some great action. Uh, and, and even the Palmer stuff. Like I mentioned before about how there's kind of a sequence about how they sort of, I guess, give you a bit of a, a carrot as to what is going to happen between Sherry and David by the end of this season, which, mm. again, sort of feels forced but also feels natural. But, I mean, the acting with Dennis Haysbert and Penny Johnson Gerald next week is just second to none. So... Mm. Um, yeah, ignore Terry and Kim. They're, they're basically no relevance to this season anymore, except <laughs> the for finale. maybe the last episode. Um, but God, just I mean, just Kiva Sutherland is a star next week. He really is. He 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 runs the episode next week. He's a man. He's a man. He's, he's what a man. Kiva command. Kiva command. <laughs> He's Kiva command. Kiefer and Mason on the case. <laughs> Driving in the car, following chopper command. <laughs> Here comes Sherry, cause she's awesome. <laughs> Intercepting the cell phone, doesn't want to know his wife. Destroys the cassette. <laughs> Has it made amnesia? <laughs> amnesia. Cougar. <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> oh, God, no. We're running out of time, damn it. <laughs> Chloe. And now it's Palmer drama, Palmer drama. <laughs> Oh. It's not about race. It's not about rape. It's just Palmer drama. God. All right. So join us next week for <laughs> more Palmer drama. How do we Command. get? How do we get some of the guests we get on this show? They clearly don't I listen don't to know. us. They're not coming back for the 20th reunion. Not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we listened to your show. Yeah, we're going to pass on that. Thanks. Uh, thank you for joining us, everybody. My name is Colin. <laughs> He's Colin. <laughs> My name is Colin, and happy birthday, Yvonne. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, and my name is Ben. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right. Your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>